Hey, Five Oaks family. This is week five of our prayer training series. And we're going out of order in terms of the prayer course, the one that our small groups are doing. We're swapping the lessons on unanswered prayer and contemplative prayer. So this week we're gonna focus on contemplative prayer, uh, which is lesson six of the prayer course. And then next week we're gonna focus on unanswered prayer, um, which is lesson five. So we talk about contemplative prayer. It might sound a bit out there for most of you, like something that's really just for mystics and monks. But what we're really talking about is how to move what we know about God and about ourselves and our relationship with God, how to move it from our heads to our hearts, how to take hold of the love of God. This is how the rest of us can experience heart-shaping, living encounters with God through prayer. Our focus is going to be on one of the Apostle Paul's petitions in, that, in a passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Here's a petition. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So before we begin, let's pray. And then we're going to hear the scripture read by some of our leaders in our student ministries. Please join me in praying by praying the underlined portions. Heavenly Father, in a world of uncertainty, we are thankful that you are constant. Your character does not change. Your word does not change. Your word is perfect. It brings truth and light to every situation. Teach us to treasure your word as we trust in you. May it revive us and fill our hearts with joy. Let everything that we do be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 6, 14-21 Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In 6.17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. How do we move what we know about God from our heads to our hearts? How do we take hold of the love of God? How can we, regular people, have heart-shaping, living encounters with God through prayer? The answer is, <laughs> the answers fortunately are found in today's passage. What's interesting about this passage is that Paul is praying for Christians to receive what they already have. He can't mean that they don't have these things because in this very letter, he says he has, that we all have these things. So what is he praying for? He's praying for them to experience what they already have. 
it's as if I'm standing at my bank. Bank is closed and I'm standing in front of the ATM. I've entered my card, but I've forgotten my passcode. Uh, the, the money is there and it's mine, but I don't have access to it. In the same way, all the riches I have in Christ are realities. Sometimes I know I have them. Sometimes I know it in my head. I know it intellectually, but sometimes I don't experience it in my heart. I don't feel it and it doesn't impact my actions. It's as if I don't have the password or the access code to move it from my head to my heart. Paul is praying for it to move to the heart where it can shape their emotions and shape their actions. And I think that's something that we all want. We want what we know about God and what we know about our relationship with him to shape our emotions and certainly to shape our actions. In this prayer, Paul is offering the access code for the transfer from my head to my heart. Look what he says in verses 17 and 18 again. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, which is what they already have, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. They know Christ loved them, loves them, but he wants them to experience Christ's, Christ's love. In this passage, we learn how to have a heart-shaping, living encounter with God in prayer. And here's how. You have to receive Christ's love, and then you have to seize it. You have to receive it and seize it. All right, so the first thing is you have to receive the love of Christ through faith. We have to receive the love of Christ by putting our faith and trust in him. Here's what it says in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. God loves us, but we're separated from him by our sins and because of our rejection of him. So he took the initiative. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Okay, so we have to act on his initiative. We have to receive what he did for us and we receive it, the scripture says, by putting our faith in him and what he did. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Question is, have you put your faith in God and in what he's done for you through Christ? If you haven't, Reflect on what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. To put it in banking terms, when you and I uh, believe Christ's righteousness, his rightness with God, is put into our bank accounts. And the debt of our sin is transferred to him on the cross. That's what that's what Paul means when he says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you'd like to know more about receiving Christ, what that means and what it means to follow him, send me an email and we can begin a conversation. Send it to office at fiveoakschurch.org. Seize the love of Christ through contemplation. That means more than just reading it or just knowing it. That means uh, contemplating it. Paul prays through the power of the Spirit that they will be able to grasp the love of Christ. The Spirit is the one who's going to provide the power to grasp it. But we have to cooperate with him by seizing hold 
of the love of Christ. So commentator Clinton Arnold, he writes this about the verb that Paul uses, that word grasp. The verb Paul uses for grasp is, more, is a more colorful way of expressing the idea of knowing or comprehending something. In its literal sense, the verb was used for Israelites capturing a city or an enemy army during a con the conquest. It's, it's like the English word seize or the English word grasp uh, for comprehending something. If I want you to understand a particular truth, but I say, I want you to seize hold of this truth, or I want you to grasp this truth, your role, your part in this, is emphatic. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that your role is emphatic in really understanding something. I want you to understand it. It's a stronger way of saying that. It's not passive. It suggests that you might miss it altogether if you don't take decisive, serious action to understand it. You have to contemplate it, chew it, chew on it, wrestle with it. That's what contemplation is about, grasping truth. Contemplative prayer is about seizing hold of God and his love and the riches that we have in him so that it penetrates our hearts and fills our senses. You might be thinking, wow, that's the stuff of desert saints and the super spiritual and I'm just an ordinary Christian. Well, I can assure you that uh, the Christians Paul was writing to were probably thinking the same thing. And that's why Paul prays this for them. But this isn't only for extraordinary saints. This is for ordinary Christians, just like you and me. Have you ever heard John Denver's song, Annie's Song? Might date you, or maybe you've heard it on uh, like classic radio. Uh, it goes like this, and no, I'm not gonna sing it for you. You fill up my senses like a night in the forest, like the mountains in springtime, like a walk in the rain, like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean, you fill up my senses, come fill me again. Come, let me love you, let me give my life to you. Let me drown in your laughter, let me die in your arms. Let me lie down beside you, let me always be with you. Come, let me love you, come love me again. Let me live let me give my life to you. Listen, if he were singing those words to God, you could cross-reference dozens of Bible verses for almost every line. What's my point? We all have experiences where we almost lose ourselves in love. It doesn't have to be romantic love. It can be love for a child or a grandchild or love of an experience, an experience with friends around a campfire, around a dinner table, or uh, an experience watching a beautiful movie or a very moving video. I have these experiences regularly with my kids or my grandkids as we sit on the deck or the porch for hours, talking and laughing and eating and sharing stories around a fire. It, it fills up my senses. I had this experience over and over while watching the the Chosen, the, the multi-season TV series about Jesus, unlike any, it, it's a series like, unlike anything that's ever been created on the life of Jesus. And as the story is unfolding on the screen, I found myself at times with my hands to my face, like, like with, like, like with my, oh, like I'm biting my nails involuntarily, anticipating the moment when Jesus is gonna heal someone or turn water into wine or cast out a demon 
it fills up my senses. When I watched the whole nine minute video of George Floyd being killed before my very eyes, I was lost in the overwhelming desire for someone to intervene, even though I knew the outcome. It was overwhelming. I was overwhelmed with pity as he cried out to his mother. I was thinking and almost saying, almost out loud, listen to the guy telling you to stop. He's telling you he's not breathing, begging you to check his pulse. It filled up my senses. You and I have these experiences that fill up our senses all the time. It's normal. It's ordinary. Seizing hold of God and his love and the riches that you have in him so that it penetrates your heart and fills your senses can be part of your prayer life. How do you seize it? Well, the Bible course video is going to go into some detail on how to do it. Uh, it'll, it'll outline some, some steps to doing that. But I'll leave you with two clues and then a demonstration of contemplation. Here's the first clue. Silent imagining. Paul could have said, I want you to understand the love of Christ. But instead he says something that can't even be fully explained or fully understood because it's poetic. He said, I pray that you have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He's literally saying, I want you to grasp and understand the unknowable. And interestingly, no one, commentators, they, they say, we don't precisely know what he meant exactly by talking about the width of love, the length of love, the height of love, and the depth of love. Some of the things of God can only be contemplated. That means you don't always move on in prayer. Sometimes you stop and in silent imagination informed by scripture, you wrestle with the words, picturing what is being described. Here's a second clue. Practice your most natural sacred pathway. I'm out in the woods again on one of my favorite trails because this is one of my sacred pathways. What's a sacred pathway? A sacred pathway is the way a person most naturally connects with God. Uh, author Gary Thomas coined the term sacred pathway and he wrote an entire book about it. And he talks about nine pathways and he gives examples of each from the Bible. I'm gonna give you a list that's a little shorter, a little bit easier to understand, but take a look at it and share with someone that you're watching this with or reflect on it if you're watching it on your own and see which one of these pathways most resonate with you. Pause, press pause if you need more time, but we'll give you about a minute or so to think about this.
there is a sense in which every one of these pathways uh, will be a part of our lives and need to be a part of our lives. But your preferred pathway, the one that fits your wiring, the way that God designed you in particular, is in a sense a shortcut to experience a heart-shaping, living encounter with God in prayer. Now I wanna, I said, give you a demonstration, what we might say is an experience in contemplation. On Monday, the Lectio 365 app, one of the tools that I use daily in prayer, prayerfully explored the reality of racism in our world and in our own hearts. And that day's prayer was written and prayed by uh, a man named Iswe Niosi, a South African, uh, who moved to the UK 13 years ago. He serves on a worship team in his church and he works as a truck driver by day. I'm usually sitting quietly when I use this app, but this time I was making coffee with my AeroPress, which is a pretty active way of making coffee. You can't just pour the water and let it sit there. As I listened and was making the coffee, I found myself stopping everything I was doing and standing still with my head bowed, experiencing a heart-shaping living encounter with God in prayer. I went from the night before and that morning totally frustrated and a sense of hopelessness that anything can be done about racism to a new hope and a distinct vision from God that I shared in my, my daily Facebook live prayer that day. Anyway, I wanna share it with you. Um, I wanna share a portion of that devotional and prayer with you. And I just, I just pray that you can stop and think and contemplate uh, and praise God uh, experiencing his love and him speaking to your own heart. Today is Monday the 8th of June. Exactly two weeks ago, George Floyd was killed by a white police officer in Minneapolis, sparking protests around the world. In today's Lexio 365, we are going to prayerfully explore the reality of racism in our world and even in our own hearts. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I choose to rejoice today in God's love and justice for all nations, joining in with the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalms 22. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise Him. 
their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the nations will bow down before Him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Today, as I remember Judge Floyd, I return to the part of the Bible that has much to say about the purpose of power, the future of the nations, and the way that God himself was oppressed and innocently killed by evil men. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I grew up in a South African township under the evil institutionalized racism of apartheid, where the color of my skin determined which hospital I would be born in and what kind of care my mother and I would receive. To be black was to be marginalized, despised, silenced, and oppressed. I can remember days as a child when my mother would come back home barely walking with a swollen, bruised face and a purple eye. Embarrassed to tell us what had happened when we asked, she would try and crack a smile with her buttered face and say to us, meaning, I had a really bad fall at work. Later that night, when we went to bed in our small corrugated iron shack that housed all six of us, we would hear her tell our father, that she had been beaten up by her employers for dropping their plates and not feeding their dogs at the right time. Experiences like these, of which there were many, have left their mark on me and my siblings and a sense of worthlessness and helplessness to see our mother so despised and stripped of her dignity. It is only in Christ that I have found my true identity as a son of God, my dignity as a black man made in the image of God. George Floyd's murder and his last words, I can't breathe, have broken my heart. But 
they have also fired me up to hope and pray that perhaps now things can begin to change. This passage promises that one day, perhaps quite soon, every tribe and tongue will finally bow the knee, not before a flag, but before the Lord Jesus Christ. On that wonderful day, every culture will bring its own unique revelation, its food, its language, its music, as equals at the coronation of an innocent Middle Eastern man killed without justice and exalted by God to the highest place. As I bow the knee today before you, Jesus, I ask you to search my heart. Show me where I am proud and prejudiced against those who are different to me because of their race or their beliefs or their way of life. Change my heart. Start the revolution in me. Jesus turns power and privilege on its head. He had everything but made himself nothing. He swapped supremacy for servanthood. And so, I pray now for well leaders, asking you, Lord, to bring them to their knees, to prick their consciences today, that they might use their power on behalf of the powerless to reconcile, heal, and make peace. If you've placed your faith in Christ alone and been reconciled to God through him, I want to invite you now to take the bread and eat it, remembering his body broken for you. And in the same way, I invite you to take the cup, remembering his blood shed for you. If you have children in your home who are not yet taking communion, pray the blessing that'll be on the screen.